Somebody posted this the other day, and I've been, I've read similar stories about it before, about a man that he would set himself up on a corner, and he would just start to, to talk to anybody that would listen about why he, he hated the Bible, about why the Bible was no good, about why the Bible was not true, about everything he felt about the Bible and about God. And, and he would stand up on a corner and just tell everybody. And people, you know, some people would, you know, would cheer him on and be excited about it. And then, but finally, you know, people would be like, get tired of hearing the same nonsense spewed from the street. And so one time somebody tells him, why don't you... Why don't you attack like other stuff? Why, why do you always set yourself up to talk about the Bible? Why don't, you, why don't you just leave the Bible alone? And he said, because it won't leave me alone. <laughs> See, the Word of God is active and alive. It chases you. Anybody been chased by the Word of God? See, since, since the beginning, since the beginning of man, the enemy of man has always come against the word. The serpent's first words to Eve in the garden was, did God really say? His words were, were crafted to imply and to plant the seed that God is holding something back from you. That God didn't have Eve or man's best interests at heart. That if you listen to God, you'll be limited in what you can do and where you can go. And if you disregarded him altogether, you could actually be like him. Was the words the serpent spoke to Eve. Every world religion from that, from the beginning of time till now is still saying the same thing. There's, there's major world religions that use the scriptures. And so those, those religions say, the word is good, but you need more. Here's another testament. There's the Mormons. Jesus was a good prophet. You should do what he said. But there was another prophet as well. That's the nation of Islam. The word is good, but we have to change some things and adjust some things and, and fix some things. There's Jehovah Witnesses. The word is good, it's God's word, but let's focus on these parts and ignore totally these parts. There's Catholicism. Then there's world religions that don't use the scriptures. They say there, there isn't one God, there are many, there's so many gods and they all need to be pleased and they all need to be appeased. Hinduism. There's no God at all, it's just karma. You go and you come and what you do good, good comes back to you, Buddhism. And then there are no gods. You are gods. That was Satan's first plan from the beginning. New age. The problem with all of that is that it doesn't account for creation. If there's no designer, who designed this? If there's no creator, who created this? Amen? And then science will come in with its, with its smartness and its, and its big brains and they'll say, it's Big Bang, it's evolution. And even there, there's what the scientists call the unknown first cause. <laughs> All this happened, boom, out of nothing, everything came. But there's one thing we can't explain, it's the unknown first cause. I'm here to talk to you about the unknown first cause. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was fully God, and the Word was with God in the beginning. All things were created by Him, and apart from Him, not one thing that was created has been created. In Him was life, and life was the light of mankind. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. Verse 16, and from His fullness we have received grace upon grace. And that's my title this morning. Grace upon grace. We, we've started this year with such a beautiful grace. Amen? We've, we've, the, the, the first, let me do a recap. Those of you that just joined. The first Sunday of the year, my wife stood up with me. And, and, and she shared that so often, God calls the unqualified to do things they don't feel like they can do. Amen? 
And so sometimes if we're going to be obedient to God and if we're going to walk in God, we're going to have to do it afraid. After, after that, the second week, Pastor G come up and he, and he started talking about letting go. Amen? He used Isaiah 43. It says, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. Don't you see it bursting out? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. And in that message, Lee shared her deepest struggles about the last season. And, and, and she shared how you have to let go of the past because if you don't, the past will remain our future until we have the courage to change it. And then last week, Josh shared, it's worth the sacrifice. Amen? It's not easy. Amen. Okay, you come forward, man. That's all good. You're not even waiting for the altar call. You're just coming forward. <laughs> Praise God. Learn. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And then we, so he was talking about living for God and it's worth the sacrifice. And then we heard Frankie stepping out to uh, share the testimony about, about stepping out with what little faith you have and holding on because with God, nothing is impossible. And I feel like we've just been going from grace to grace upon grace upon grace. And so here's what I want to do going forward. This is what I'm working on, and I'm really excited about this. Listen, we entered, we entered the year, right? We, we started the, the, the book of Judges at the end of the year. Amen? A lot of us read the book of Judges, please. Amen? 16, amen. And, and, and what we saw through the book of Judges is how our stubbornness, our sinfulness, our disobedience, our wanting to do what's right in our own eyes at times leads us into these repetitive cycles. Somebody say amen. And we saw it in God's people, Israel, and we can identify and definitely relate because many of you noted we see ourselves in the people of the Old Testament, Right? We can find ourselves in those same patterns that we read about throughout the book. We, we, we experience God and we're reconciled to God and we, have this, we experience the peace of God and, and it's beautiful and then life happens. And slowly we turn from that. And in an effort either to be happy or to be lonely or not to be lonely or, or to reach some personal goals or, or to have what other people have, we turn from God. And before we know it, we're doing, we're doing what, we, what we've done before. We, we're catching ourselves in the same patterns. And like the people of, of the Old Testament, we're doing what was wrong in God's eyes. And we're living like we never knew him. And then we find ourselves in a mess. And then we, we find our lives tore up. And then like we read in Judges, we cry out for God's help. Anybody familiar with the pattern? And the beautiful part of all throughout the book... Uh, um, <laughs> is that when, when God hears our cries for help, he's the God that hears. He's the God that sees. And he answers every time in the life of God's people throughout the book of Judges, which covered like two, three hundred years of history. God would hear and he would send help. He would raise up a judge to bring things in order and then God's people would enjoy peace again. Grace upon grace. And the beautiful part about it is that no matter what they had done, no matter how far they've gone, no matter how long they've been there, when they called, God answered. Sometimes in the book of Judges, we saw that God answered even before they called. Somebody say grace. And the reason we, we went through that was not just so that we can identify with them, so that we can say, wow, you know, we're just like those people from the Old Testament. Maybe, maybe you know, we're not, as, we're not too bad. Maybe, maybe this is what God expects, you know. No, the, the, the focus wasn't to, to show how bad we can be. The focus was to show how good God can be. Amen? See, God uses Scripture not only to record history, but to teach theology. Are you with me? 
See, a lot of people read parts of the Old Testament and they get this picture of this angry, distant God that's always looking to catch you riding dirty. He's always looking to, to correct and to punish. And some of us come from angry fathers, from distant fathers. And so it's easy to see God that way. But the more you let this word get inside you, the more you discover the Old Testament isn't about anger and punishment and rules and laws. It's about grace upon grace upon grace love and unmerited favor the kingdom of heaven is like a man who marries a woman and loves her and this woman becomes unfaithful and and she goes her own way and and she she finds herself in a mess and she finds herself broken and she finds herself lost and she calls out to him and he goes and finds her and forgives her and treats her like nothing has ever happened And she enjoys peace again. And then life happens and she becomes unfaithful again. And she goes out of her way to destroy any part of of a relationship, to to, to destroy anything that that has to do with with intensity. And, And again finds herself broken and lost. And again she cries out. And again this husband brings her back recovers her and restores her and loves her with the same intensity as before. Church, we are that wife. We're that wife. I don't know any husbands that could do that, but I know a father who has and who continues to do it again and again and again. Somebody say amen. So, so here's what here's what um. What, what what I want you to see is that when we go through these through these accounts in the scriptures, we can see the hope and the promise of the gospel in every Old Testament book. It's grace upon grace. Uh, our response to God's grace determines our destiny. I'll let that sink in. Because some people think, I just need to come to church and I'm good. Our response to God's goodness, to God's faithfulness, to God's grace determines our destiny. So here's what I like to do. Here's my plan from here to Resurrection Sunday. We have like 12 weeks to Easter. Somebody, yeah, amen? And so here's what I want to do. Here's my plan. This is a long series. It's like 12 weeks. People, you know, every book you read as a pastor or as a church growth and for building, don't do series more than three because people get bored. People don't want. Listen, if you don't want to come, don't come. We're not here to build the church. We're here to build God's kingdom. Amen. I want to make sure that you have word. I want to make sure my responsibility is that there's bread in the house. God will grow the church. Amen. I want to follow God through. So what I want to do these 12, I want to follow God's people through the Old Testament all the way to the cross in a series titled From Here to There. Amen? Are you excited? Will you come with me? So I want to follow God's people through the Old Testament towards the cross. And I want you to see how God works in people's lives. Why? So that you can identify God's grace in your own life. See, you are here today or listening online because God so arranged things in your life to bring you to this point. You, you may not believe that, but if you think everything in your life was a set of coincidences that somehow came about by chance and you stumbled upon here without purpose, you already have more faith than a lot of us. Everything that God did to bring you to his face was purposeful. Amen? Some people, some people have told me, oh, you know, I just, I just stumbled across it. No, you didn't. <laughs> you think you did. But the bus left you on the wrong stop and you had to walk. I didn't even know there was a church here. Or, or I was searching for something else and I, and I came up on your website and I listened to 46 messages. You think that was a coincidence. But God so arranged. Listen, you, you, because we know we, 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 we know that God is sovereign, and so God, being the creator of the universe, He has a bigger iPad than I than I do. 
And, and with his iPad, he can make it rain on you and keep me dry. He can, he can, with his iPad, he can, he, oh man, I loved it. He can do something 94 years ago before your parents were little kids so that you and I would cross paths. Do, do you understand? He can do something here in the scheme of life so that we would meet here so that you would meet him here before you died here. And he has the ability to mess with stuff here. Here, this is, over here, this is before your parents knew your parents, before their parents knew their parents. <laughs> he can do something here. There was a snowstorm here that caused these two people to meet and fall in love. The, to, to make your parents know these people who met, these people who brought your parents together, who introduced them to, bam, so that you could be here at the sanctuary worshiping in the morning. God, we, we see it all through the word. I love this. He can, he can. He, all through the word we read, he, he, he can use rain. He can use storms. He had a fish bring him tax money once. You, you remember that story in the New Testament? They said, you got to pay taxes. He, he could have said, no, as who I am, I don't have to pay. But fine, you want taxes? Throw, throw a line in the water and pull up a fish. They pulled up a fish. Said, in, his, in his mouth, there's a denarii. Take it out and give it to, this, give it to the man. Like, what? Cha-ching. So he can use a fish to bring taxes. He made a fish big enough to swallow a man to keep him inside alive for three days until he repented. Come on. He, he, he's, he's giving people, we read, he's giving people, he's told people, listen, right now, you're, somebody's going to call you. And when that person calls you, I want you to go meet with him. I want you to go and you're going to go to this place. And at this place, this person's going to meet you and you're going to tell him, this is what the Lord says. And then we see it happen. God's iPad controls the entire universe amen we we've seen him <coughs> he's told people to go to a place and arrange for someone to be there to give them exactly what they needed when they needed total strangers he's he's had sticks split seas he's made rocks provide water he's fed thousands with few loaves of bread he's healed the sick opened deaf ears made the lame walk and made the stubborn see he's even spoke through a jackass to put somebody in their place and set them on the right path and that probably wasn't the last time he's ever used one of those So, so I'm just setting this up today, amen? I'm just setting this up today. We've already begun kind of studying about the journey that God's people took. So when God delivered them out of Egypt through Moses and, and led them out telling them about a land that he prepared for them. A land flowing with milk and honey. And if we, we saw as Moses was leading them through the wilderness, sometimes people get impatient and ungrateful. I know none of you guys, but you know, in other churches... And, and sometimes even in the presence of grace upon grace, people get disobedient. And we've seen the effects of that disobedience throughout the history of people. Check this out. Disobedience delays destiny. Delays cause discouragement. Discouragement breeds distraction. And as all my youth know from 20 years ago, if you can be distracted, you can be destroyed. And the, the chief goal of the, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so we've seen it in them and we've definitely seen it in us. And so in the book of Judges, we saw these cycles and these patterns and, 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 and we're all too familiar with. And so what I'd like to do is continue to follow these people as they go through the Old Testament narratives until we get to the promised resurrection. We're going to go from here to there in the next bunch of weeks. Amen? And so uh, as we take this historical journey, my hope and my prayer is this, that no matter where you find yourself, you could be in a hot mess right now. Don't look around. You, you could be lost. You could be confused. You could be discouraged. You could just be sitting here faking it till you make it. You could be in doubt. You could be just total doubt. You could be in total disobedience. Or you could be doing great. You could be loving God. You could be walking awesome. You could be doing this thing and working this thing. Or you could be anywhere in between. And what I want to do is take you with me as we walk from here to there. Amen? And so here's how I want to just end today. Let me just take a couple of steps in that direction. Right after Judges, there's a little book 
four chapters called the book of Ruth. Ruth, not Ruth. I caught that from the worship team this morning. The book of Ruth. And while the book of Ruth is a personal story, if you read it, I encourage you to read that this week. Along with, and how many doing the Bible reading plan with us? 14 people. All right. Amen. I only asked the entire church to do that with us. I want us to read the Word of God together. Amen. We're going to go through the Old Testament, but at home you should be going through the New Testament. Wouldn't that awesome that we just start to get to filled up, start to really become mature men and women of God? So if you haven't done it, open your Bible app, go to uh, the first quarter, and, 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 and just it's not too late. Just click and start. We're going to read the old, we're going to go through the entire New Testament in a year at home, on the train, in the bathroom, wherever you do your reading. Amen? Okay. So back to the book of Ruth. It, it's a personal story. It's just about one family. And, and there isn't a whole lot mentioned in the book specifically about God, which makes it a, you know, pretty interesting that this is a book of the Bible. It doesn't talk a lot about God. There's no big spiritual encounters with God in the book, and there's no big miracles. There's no, and yet, it's the perfect picture. What I want you to see is how God works in the lives of those who choose him. God works in mundane, everyday events in the lives of people. That's why God says that we're called to be the salt and light of the earth because we mix and we, we're everywhere and we're just supposed to be just life. It, we're not, we're like, we don't do Christian things. We're just men, of, men and women of God. Amen? We, is, we have to stop separating the secular and the sacred. We have to stop separating. Like, you know, if, if I do this, then, then that's secular. If I'm here, no, man. You just be who you are everywhere you are. That's what we're called to be. And, and so the light, I can't be light someplace and darkness someplace else. Because then I'm full of it. Then I'm a hypocrite like the world calls the church anyway. Right? We have to be the light everywhere. Anyway, anyway let's move on. So, so what I want to show you through the, through, through, through the whole entire, as we go from here to there, what I, what I want to show you is that God continually comes after his people. It's grace upon grace. Who's texting me? Really? Okay. And so what I want to show you, you know, as we go through the Old Testament. So give me six minutes to tell you this story and, and, and we're done. The book is named Ruth, but it's the story of a man named Elimelech and his wife Naomi. And their two sons, Malon and Kilion. And I probably said it wrong, but none of you are Hebrew scholars, so we're fine. <laughs> Whatever. I'm Cuban. So it starts this way, Ruth 1. It says, in the days when the judges ruled in Israel. So this happened in the time of judges that we read about. So in the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. And so a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and his two sons with him. What's important for you to know here is that God brought his people to the promised land, right? God promised them a land full of milk and honey, and it was going to be a great place, and, and all their provisions, were everything they needed. He brought them out of slavery in Egypt, right? And, but God also promised the Israelites that if they departed from him, he would discipline them with famine. How I many you know a good father brings discipline to those that he loves? Right? I, I know there's not, not too many parents in here when your kids say, I don't want uh, pasta, I don't want chicken, all I want is lollipops and, and muffins. And, and you might let it fly once, but you're not a good parent if you let that fly every time. Right? Once in a while, that's, that's a, that makes you fun. You're a good, you're a good dad, you're a good mom. Right? But, but di good discipline, a good loving parent, no, there has to be things. As a matter of fact, because you did this, there'll be no donuts or candy for, for a time now. You understand? There's discipline. Discipline is love. Somebody say amen. amen. So, so God promised them that he, he would discipline them if they w went away from him. He would discipline them by sending famine. Famine is usually a sign that something isn't right between you and God. Here's where you're going to get quiet. See, so many of us today, we want God's provisions, but we want it outside of his permissions. I'm posing for a picture. That was good. So when you put that quote, here's the picture. So many of us, we want God's provisions without his permissions. 
Amen? Whenever we see a famine in the scriptures, it's usually God advancing his plans for his people. Discipline isn't punishment, it's love. Amen? When you find yourselves in a dry season in your life, God might be trying to get your attention and advance the plans that he has for your life. Here's my suggestion. Stop running, sit with God in the dry seasons, and meet him there. Too many times we run, and we get busy. And we go, oh, I got to do more. I got to do and, and And sometimes dry people, you, you sign up for six ministries. Or you go to three different churches. Or you go to a, a, a conference and this conference and that concert. And you're trying to find God in the goosebumps and the pimples. God is saying, just sit down. I'm trying to get your attention. You don't got to go to Hillsong. You don't got to go here. You don't, <coughs> you don't need a, a, a... You just need to sit still. Be still. And find me... Okay, enough of that. Listen... It may not feel like it. This is, this is tough. This is Christian maturity. Okay? It may not feel like it, but there's hope for you there in the dry season. This book opens with famine, but closes with harvest. Come on. So Elimelech, he brings his family to a place where they didn't belong in search of what God promised to provide for them where they were. I mean, you know, that's a setup for disaster. He, they were from, from the promised land in Bethlehem. Bethlehem literally means house of bread. So, so, so they leave the house of bread to a, a foreign land with foreign gods in search of bread. Don't judge because we've been there. Elimelech dies. I didn't say God killed him. He just dies. And he leaves his wife and his two sons behind. These two sons, they marry two Moabite women. We're not back in the promised land now. We're not back around God's people. We're, we're, we're in a different land of a different people who serve false gods. These two sons, they marry two Moabite women. Orpah, which looks like Oprah, but it's not Orpah, and Ruth. Years later, the two sons die. Great story, right? (laughs) You're encouraged? So the husband dies, the two sons die. Now, leaving Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws, three women alone, no sons. Understand that in that culture, women couldn't work to earn a living, so these three women were left without anyone to provide for them. Without even any hope of anyone to provide for them. So Naomi had heard now, she hears, she gets word that the Lord had visited his people back where he belonged like he promised and the famine has ended. So he, she says, let's go back home to where we belong. Let's go back to where I should have been in the first place because God is visiting there and the famine is lifted and there's food in the house. Amen. See, every dry season has an expiration date. Somebody needed that to hear that today. You can leave now. Every dry season has an expiration date. You might think this thing is going to last forever. It won't. You thought that last year. And then it turned around. Every dry season. All right. So she decides, I'll go back to the land of my people. And I'll go back to where I'm supposed to be. <clears throat> she starts heading back with her daughters, and they're on the way. And then the word doesn't tell us, but she probably said, if I go back to God's people, to the promised land, with these two Moabite chicks, I'm going to have a lot of explaining to do of a lot of disobedience. This is conjecture. The word doesn't tell us that. But it says they were on the way, and then she says, hey, 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 why don't you girls... Go back to your families. Why don't you go back to your homes and you'll probably find, you know, a good husband, a good Moabite husband, and, and, and you'll be good and you'll be taken care of. And the word says, and they cried, and they both says, no, we're going to go with you. We've been with you for a long time. We're going to go with you. She says, okay. And so they start heading out. And they probably hit her again and said, man, i got a lot of explaining to do when I get back. 
So she stops and she goes, listen, listen, God, girls, please, please. You've been good to me. You've been great. But listen, you should really go back. She even goes as far as saying, um, you, you should, I'm too old to have a husband, so I, I don't have any more sons for you to marry. You should go back to your people and go back to your gods. For my life is bitter. God has gone out against me. Later, she, when she finally gets to, Naomi's mad dramatic. She finally, when she gets to her people, the people see her and they go, that's Naomi. She goes, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Mara means bitter. Mad dramatic. Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? This is so typical of us, right? We, we go places God never told us to go. We step out and do things God never told us to do. And then we get mad dramatic and blame God for the situation that we're in. I know not you, but you know, the person next to you, she did it. Him for sure, that guy next to you for sure. You get real dramatic. Oh, God has been so... God, why? Why, God? Why? Bro, you are where you're not supposed to be doing what you're not supposed to be doing. How are you going to blame God? So she's basically telling these girls, go and worship the false gods of your fathers because her God has dealt harshly with her. Good job, Naomi. Let's, let's applaud her. <laughs> Good job. And so Ruth, Orpah, Orpah cries and she, and she goes. And she becomes a talk show host and has her own channel. <laughs> leading millions away from the Lord. Whatever. Good job, Naomi. Ruth says, no, stop telling me to go. Ruth says, no, stop telling me to, to leave you. And she makes this beautiful decree. It's, it's a beautiful thing. This is a Moabite woman. This is what she says. Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. Where you go, I will go. And where you live, I will live. Your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. Wow. I believe that declaration moved the heart of God. I believe, we, and, and, and we learned this clearly in later events in the New Testament, that God's people are not just the Jewish people, that we all, anyone who chooses to follow after God becomes part of his family. Amen. We learned that. We went through Ephesians, right? That, that was the mystery of, of the word that we all are his children if we choose to follow him. Amen. So Ruth makes this declaration. She was a Moabite that says, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And here's where the tragic story turns around. Some of us, listen, have lived such tragic lives, we think nothing will ever change. We think it'll always be bitter for us. Call me Mada, my life is bitter. But one decision to follow after God can change your entire trajectory of your life. Believe that. There's 40 testimonies in here that'll, that'll tell you that. Amen. Fast forward, worship team, you guys can come up, give people a little hope it's going to be over. Um, so they get to the promised land, and, 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 and it just happens to be harvest season. They get to the promised land, and if you don't believe in coincidence, it's a coincidence that they get there and it's harvest season. And now, during harvest time, it was typical that when the harvesters went out to collect the grain, that they would pick the finest grain and they would leave the, the not-so-perfect grain behind. And so, people of that time, the, the widows and the poor, they would follow behind. It was customary for the women to track behind them and gather the less than perfect grain to use for food and to use to live. That was called gleaning. And so, Ruth, by chance, by coincidence, she picks the field of Boaz. Boaz is this man of God, the word says a man of good character, and, and Boaz notices her. And Boaz says, who is that woman? And, and when he finds out who, that Ruth, what, who Ruth is and what she's done and how she's served Naomi and how she's made a declaration to God and how she's been with Naomi and wouldn't leave her side, he's impressed. He orders the harvesters, listen, when you guys gather, drop a little extra. 
Come on, how many of you ever been the, the recipient of a little extra that God leaves aside for you? Stuff that you didn't work for, stuff that you didn't earn, stuff that you didn't discern. Come on, man, I've been there gleaning. Yeah, yeah. And then many times in my life, I didn't have anything, and God left a little extra on the side for me. And so, and so he, he does that. He leaves, and then he tells, he tells his people, don't bother her. Make sure she's taken care of. Make sure she's provided for. And he tells her, when you're thirsty, you drink. And, when, and you take what you need to, and when you're thirsty, you drink. Amen? Just so happens, she goes back to Naomi, she, and, and she has food, and she's happy. And Naomi says, what? What happened? He said, well, I met this owner named, this farm owner named Boaz. So of all the fields that she could have picked, she picked this field, the field of Boaz. Just so happens, by coincidence, that Boaz was a relative to Elimelech. He was part of his clan. And so as part of his clan, he was a relative. He's a kinsman redeemer. Oh, what a beautiful word. Kinsman means relative. Redeemer means that as part of the family, he could buy the land that belonged to the family and even marry the widow and preserve the land in the family's name. Woo! To make the short story even shorter, he buys the land. And so now Naomi got cash. She's living. She's good. And he marries. He takes Ruth as his wife. It's a beautiful story. Read it. The story ends with a lineage. Here's, here's where it gets crazy. Boaz and Ruth. Remember, Ruth was married before for years. Didn't have any kids. All of a sudden, she's married to Ruth and she's pregnant. She has kids. Come on. She must have came by the sanctuary fertility center. So, so look, look, look. So Boaz and Ruth have, they father a, man, a, a son named Obed. Later, Obed fathers Jesse. Jesse fathers King David. King David, we'll read about in our journey from here to there, who from, from David's line eventually comes the Messiah. Jesus comes from David's line. So a God uses a Moabite woman who makes a decision to follow after him to be forever mentioned in the lineage of the Savior. Some of you say, man, I don't, I got no kind of history. You don't know where I come from. You don't know where I'm from. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know who my parents were. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God is so interwoven in our lives. Every little thing that you think had nothing to do, God was doing to bring you to this point. He's your kinsman redeemer. These stories show us how God works in mundane, everyday events in the lives of people. It's a story about how God restores those who look to him for life. All the characters, they face normal challenges. Death, moving, lack of financial resources, family responsibility, and etc. And they find God weaving a story of redemption out of all the details. What is he doing in your life right now? The book of Ruth encourages us to view our day-to-day lives as part of God's bigger plan. Amen? Can you just sit still for a minute, not look at anybody, and understand to yourself, I am part of God's bigger plan. All of a sudden, you're filled with purpose. We were, we were talking the other day and we were talking about how, how one person, we were talking, you know, is it kind of a joke or how one person, um, <coughs> we, didn't, we didn't invite them to this church right away because we thought they might think our church is kind of weird or our church is kind of crazy. They might not feel comfortable here, you know, because we are a little crazy. I love when people come in and they see the, the, the sofa and they see signs on the wall and say, this is not a church. And I'm like, what's a church supposed to look like? This is the house, amen? 
And so that one person we invited, and then when you invite that one person, they just all of a sudden become part of the family. And then because of that one person, these people are here. And because of those two people, these people are here. And because of this one invited that one and that, and now these people are here. And now this family's blessed, and now this family's blessed. These people all of a sudden are, are going to get married. And so now this family's being born. And, and you're like, oh, my God, because of one person. Amen? Our day-to-day lives uh, encourage us to live part of our day-to-day lives as God's bigger plan. See, the book opens with three funerals and closes with a wedding. I don't know where you're at today, family. You could be in a dry place. You could be in the middle of a famine or you could be miles from where you're supposed to be. Whatever your situation is, whatever your story, Ruth is a a story of returning to the promised land, returning to the land of blessing, returning, primarily returning to God who created you in the first place. Amen? The story of Ruth and Boaz should encourage us to live godly lives in dark days. In the days of unbelief, in the days of disobedience, in the days of disregard for the word of God, we know that we're living in dark days, amen? When, when we can light a building to celebrate, we know we're living in dark days of disregard for the word of God. Wherever you are today, I want you to know there's grace upon grace upon grace, upon grace. Would you just come and worship with us today? Go ahead, guys. Minister Lee said something earlier today in her announcement. She said, did you find your hallelujah today? I want to echo that. Did you find your hallelujah this morning? If you did, stand with us and let's worship. Let's worship together.
want to encourage you today. If at any point during that sermon, you feel like God was speaking to you, I want to invite you to come up today. I want you to invite you to come like, like Ruth did in the story as she looked towards the right way, where to go, where going back wasn't, wasn't an option anymore. Going back to the past, going back to the life that we live, it's not an option. It's just going to leave us in a, in a dry area, leaving us with death, leaving us with no hope, no future. If that's you today, don't be afraid to come up here and say yes to Jesus. To say, yes, Jesus, I need you. I don't know where, where I was going before, but I know there's a hope in the future me in the future. I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, I'm looking for hope, I'm looking for peace, I'm looking for direction. I need it, Lord. Wherever you at today, I invite you to come to the front. Don't worry, you feel nervous, you be afraid, so what? So what? So what? Who looks at you? It doesn't matter what people think, it matters what Jesus thinks of you. It matters what you're going to do. We were talking about that whole point about... Um, us being an integral part in someone's life, which Ruth was a, in the lineage of Jesus, what part you play in the next step of this world? And what influence you're going to have when you go out in your neighborhood? If you come from the ghetto, you know you have an influence in that neighborhood. A lot of us were in the ghetto in the streets, but when we came to Jesus, we had an integral part where we see people come to church and say, yo, I remember you. I will remember you, but there's no shame in where we were in the past. Because Jesus did redeemed us. So if that's you today, I want to invite you to come to the front. Just come up. I want to pray over you today. I want to pray that whatever decision you make, there's a reason for it and there's a purpose. If people come into the front and encourage you to come, come follow them. You need somebody to take you, take you to the front. God has a plan for you. A wonderful plan for you. And I promise you through the word of God what he promises, you ain't going to be thirsty no more. That emptiness that's inside of us, that feeling that it says, you know what? No matter what I do, I can't feel it. I'm tired of being here. I'm tired of seeing this. I'm tired of the cycles. People in the world, had a person at my job said, yo, man, the weather's crazy. It's like 60 degrees and it's winter. We need to recycle. That was his, his solution to the problem. I said, you know, Jesus is coming. No way the Bible says that you won't even be able to know the seasons anymore. We don't know if it's winter or spring anymore. I'm not trying to put fear in you, but I'm trying to tell you God has a plan and a purpose for his people in this world, and you are part of it. You believe that? So everybody in the front, everybody in the back, I want you to raise your hands. Just raise your hands. It's like a sign of surrender. The cops are here. Put your hands up. We ain't going to rebel. You won't be one of the people who get shot because we'd be rebellious. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for everyone here. Lord, those who don't know you right now, as they up here and they say yes to you, Jesus, I thank you're going to fill them right now. You're going to enter into every area of their lives, their finances, their homes, their hearts, their minds, their jobs, Lord God. You're not going to leave them alone, Father. You're going to give them purpose. You're going to give them strength to do things that they desire in their hearts, Lord God. Things that they cry out for, things they speak in the night, Lord God. You see every cry, you see every tear, you ever see every, even curse, Lord God, that people cry out asking for help, Lord God. But as today, I say surrender to you, Jesus. You'll be the answer to them, Lord God. I thank you each one here, Lord God, will find their Boaz in you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, as they come to you, Lord, and they follow you, Father God, Lord, and they will receive their inheritance that you have for them. All those dark times, Lord God, I pray you shine light on that right now in the name of Jesus. All those hurt areas, those broken areas, those frustrating areas, Lord God, I ask that you bring a solution to that right now in the name of Jesus. I ask that you would send your Holy Spirit right now upon your people to direct them, to encourage them, to build them up, Lord God. Lord, all of us have a part to play, Lord God, in this world and in this dark season of our country and our world, Lord God. But I thank you, you will call people up today, people in this place today, to use them for your kingdom, Lord God. Being used for his kingdom. We don't know everything. We don't know how every situation is going to come. But God has chosen us today to say, follow me and I will show you. Everything you're looking for, everything you could not find in the world, everything you could not find in a bottle, in a bag of weed, in, 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 in sex, in drugs, everything you could not find in money, Jesus is the answer. Amen. 
And all those things that you had before, God said, I will increase those things for you because you're going to lay them down to me. Every thought, every feeling. All my brothers up here, all my sisters up here, God's going to do great things with you. And you ain't got to be weird. You can be who you are. You can be strong. You'll be, I don't care, wear your hoodies, do whatever. But Jesus is going to use you for greater things that you thought you can do. He's going to take you from the corner to the kingdoms. He's going to take you from the streets, from authorities and judges and things of that nature to speak up and say, Jesus is the answer. Are you ready for this journey, y'all? Are you ready for this journey? God is good. And as we worship right now and praise God, know that you're part of something bigger. And I can't wait to see what God is going to do. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah, say, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. We're going to leave this place just singing. Hallelujah. You are dismissed today. You're blessed to be a blessing. Just sing. Have a wonderful and blessed week. God bless you. Peace.